going on, everybody? Woodland Docs here on behalf of the Indigo's Plateau Show, bringing you a little mini bite, a little 10, 15 minute, you know, hold you over kind of thing. You got that craving for, you know, Docs, Ghost and Lotus, you know, Docs. But, you know, you have that craving, and I'm here to fix it. So, in today's mini bite, I'm going to discuss the evolution of Pokemon games throughout the years. So, as you guys know, if you're a fan of the franchise, Pokemon games have been around since 1996. Not necessarily in English, but since 1996 we've had Pokemon games. It's all the way back to the Game Boy, okay? I can't believe how long the series has lasted. I mean, well, I can't believe it. I've been there since the start. You get what I mean, right? What, what sticks around for 25 years anymore? I can I can hardly get anything else in my life to stick around for 25 years. But I had a really depressing joke that I'm not going to make it. We're going to get back to the happy stuff. So, as you guys know, the franchise did obviously start in Japan. So, we had the first games released in Japan. We had Pokemon um, Green, which is exclusive to Japan. I don't think we've had anything since then that's been explicitly exclusive to Japan. But we start with, obviously, the Kanto region. We have Red, Blue, and in Japan we have Green. But the very beginning of Pokemon games was as simple as it gets. And one of the more unique things about these versions to me is the entire color scheme was kept up throughout the the whole game. So whether you were playing red or blue, everything had a red hue or tint or, I don't know, art words. Red color. Had red color to it. <laughs> and when you played blue, everything had a blue, a blue to it. But it's what introduced us to the very basics that we still know and practice to this day, love them or hate them. Type advantage, type disadvantage, immunities, everything of the sort. We didn't have our physical special splits. That comes later in the games. But it gave us basic battling, a tree system of attributes and typings. And more importantly, it gave us our exposure to, for most games, I'll say all core series games, the traditional RPG collect badge progress format. So it all started in Kanto. You can't beat it. It's a little hard to play now. We did have the special Pikachu Yellow Edition where Pikachu was your starter. And then you met, what was it? Was it Officer Jenny had a Squirtle? Um, and then, like, random people had Bulbasaur and Charmander. Charmander was above Vermilion, which, no, or not Vermilion, Cerulean, which is absolutely no help. You're about to go into a water gym and they give you a fire lizard? No, thank you. But you did have your Pikachu, so <laughs> I guess that's, that's the plus side. But then again, you had to start, you didn't have type advantage against Brock. So to get past that first badge, you had to go find yourself something with double kick. Uh, your thunder shock was doing nothing. I'll tell you that much. But we moved on from gold or from gold and yellow from <laughs> from green, red, blue, and yellow to gold and silver. They're all colors. It's really easy to get. imagine if you were a dog, and they were like, "Yo, hey, what's your what was your first Pokemon game? Gray version? You? <laughs> Pokemon did not consider. I'm 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 writing Pokemon Company International. They did not consider my dogs." I'm very upset with them, because my dogs are really cute. So are your dogs. All the dogs are cute. But where there was a dog was in the second gen. Wait, was there a... Handauer. Handauer Handum. <laughs> they were dogs! So anyways, guys. Gold and silver carried on almost all of the same aspects. HMs, TMs, uh, the experience items. Things stayed the same for the most part. So off of some of the more notable um, features include eggs. So this was the first game to feature genders and eggs. And that's important, right? Because the gender system played into the breeding. Breeding was brand new, therefore eggs. Yeah, you know, the whole theory of Ditto is only coded into the first into the games in the first place for breeding purposes. I don't know if I buy that. I think Ditto is his own thing. But we have 
the egg system and the gender system coming into Generation 2, we carry on the basic mechanics of eight gyms. You guys know the drill. Get a badge, move on, beat the bad guys. It's the formula that's worked for 25 years. But we also have the introduction of held items. So while the text limit was still there and you had a Perserkerberry that you can give your Pokemon to hold on to, you had the introduction of held items. They could be berries or they could be battle... Uh, were there battle items? I believe... Um, I believe there were battle items. But we have uh, all sorts of different ways to enhance your experience. Competitive battling obviously was not much of a thing as this was still in the very early days of the franchise and, and the... Uh, you know, I don't think the Game Boy offered much more than the Link Cable, but there is plenty of ways for you to enhance your in-game experience, your single-player experience, with held items. So that was super cool for Gen 2. Then we have, along with Yellow being a remake of sorts. I don't count Yellow as a remake. Well, I do. I don't. But I do. But I don't. But I do. So then you have Pokemon Crystal version. So Pokemon Crystal version uh, was the, I'll just call it the third of Gold and Silver. And Pokemon Crystal, so it utilized all the same features, but there were the animation sequences, which is something that I noted here that I think is cornerstone almost. And it's very important because it sets the precedent for when we get into more advanced animations and more detailed graphics, because without those animations being put in the first place, we could have just got like... You know, Pokemon X just going at the guy and then comes back and like that's hyper beam. No, let's get a big old hyper beam. Blast my screen. The whole invert, <laughs> the inverted colors thing uh, for what uh, like Nightshade, Confusion, all those moves in, in the first couple of games. I don't know how we didn't go blind as children. Just going to be honest with you guys. It hurts my eyes today. Maybe it's because I'm old now. I don't know. 30 year old. Well, my eyes have never been good, but whatever. So <laughs> the Johto region full of fun. We have genders, we have eggs, we have a breeding system, we have held items. It really took the creativity levels that you can do within a single-player experience higher and higher. So I think it's absolutely key that we don't skip over what Johto gave us. After Johto, we're heading to the Hoenn region. Ruby, Sapphire, and then our remake of... Well, we'll get there. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time I'd done that. But anyways, so Ruby and Sapphire. And I think of my trips around Hoenn, and I think of the one building that I unex inex unexplicably, unexplicably love going to, and that is the Weather Institution. Because Ruby and Sapphire are the first set of games to introduce status or weather conditions. Well, not status conditions, that's paralyzed. You know what I mean. Weather status, weather stati, statis, stati, weather statuses, statuses. <laughs> Ruby and Sapphire bring weather into the game. And they're also the first generation to give us double battles, two on two, which, again, think about it. Core, meta, prime, whatever top tier adjective you want to use for battling VGC nowadays is two on two. It's doubles. Ho uh, yeah, Hoenn. Hoenn, Ruby and Sapphire, gave us double battles, which is an integral part of what we see. It's amazing how 
we kind of take it for granted, I guess you could say. We take it for granted that, oh, you can battle two-on-two. But the idea, even, let alone the mechanics of two-on-two battles, the idea that early on in the franchise to be that creative, take that Game Boy Advance, push it to its limits. And here we are. We still use double battles as our standard today. It's really cool to think about. So along with gameplay mechanics and stuff like that, I feel this is really where the Pokemon franchise started to delve into aesthetic. You know what I mean? Like, they went for more than just battle, breed, game, go far. Words. You had... <laughs> we had... What? We have we had secret bases. And then, was this contest halls? Or was this not contest halls? Yeah, there's the there, yeah, contest halls aren't until four, I think. But anyways, secret bases are peak aesthetic, if you think about it. I mean, what's the point of a secret base other than to find it and then decorate it with in-game... Use your in-game currency, your Poké Dollars, and decorate it and then, you know, link cable up with your friends and be like, hey, come over, I get a Jigglypuff doll in the corner. And then your friend's like, well, I've got a Wigglytuff doll in the corner. And you're like, bro, it's the same doll. But you just had a one-up me? All right, whatever. We're not friends anymore. Taking my Pokeball and going home. I But secret bases are the start of aesthetic, and I feel like this is where the Pokemon Company realized they need to add something for the not avid challenger, not hyper challenger, if you get what I mean. You know, someone who's not aggressive like me. Anyways, the over-competitive person. But in the same breath, we have Fire Red and Leaf Green. Which, Fire Red and Leaf Green, they are a spiritual successor, if you will, to Red and Green. I do enjoy playing Fire Red and Leaf Green. I do. But it never really grabbed me. It was... I don't know. There was something about it. We had... What? We had... Um, Just graphics got better? I'm trying to think. We had those islands, right? But I'm not so sure. It is what it is, but hey. From there, we move on to the Nintendo DS with Heart Gold and Soul Silver. And let me tell you, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, they're perfect games. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Heart Gold or Soul Silver, neither. So we move on to the DS. So we get, uh, you know, enhanced graphics. We get follow mons. How many times were you like, dude, I want to be like Ash and have my Pikachu follow me? Well, guess what? Pikachu's following you, bro. He's right there. My Pikachu's behind the couch. You just can't see him. I don't know. To me, it's a perfect game. Maybe because it takes all the core concepts of the first few games, smashes them together, and it's a little bit prettier. Maybe that's my bias. I'm not sure. Anyways, I love HeartGold and SoulSilver. So after I click the wrong thing and I take my notes away, we head into the Diamond and Pearl era. And Diamond and Pearl, I think, could be the best vanilla gameplay. While I say don't say it's my favorite, I say that Diamond and Pearl are the best vanilla gameplay. There's an interesting story. There's plenty of Pokemon to pick from. It's balanced. In terms of enhancement, I... I'm scrolling through my notes here, and it's kind of like, well, you know, I I don't have much. Um, there may be something that I'm missing. I haven't played Vanilla Diamond and Pearl in forever. Um, obviously, we just had the remakes. Uh, let's see. In the remakes, what, what comes to mind? We have the Underground, which is pretty cool, We which used the uh, DS's internet capabilities. 
we have so we we have a bit of integration into the modern era, we'll call it. Well, I when I when I think of classic versus modern games, fourth gen is kind of where I draw the line. But aside from you know upgraded graphics and well, it's even hard to say upgraded, right? Even the Diamond and Pearl remakes were chibi style. But regardless, irregardless, all regardless, you guys already know I'm not good with words. Okay, I'm sorry. I deal with numbers all day. I purposely avoided words. But anyways, the Diamond and Pearl games bring enough to the table to keep you interested and keep you in the world, in the fantasy of Pokemon. And I think that maybe we do underappreciate it because there was nothing as groundbreaking. I mean, if, if I'm sitting here in my notes and the only thing that comes to mind is underground, what does that say? Right? I still enjoy it. I still think it's the best vanilla gameplay. It's my favorite story, personally. I'm a little biased towards it. Other people are like, oh, the slow HP drop. If I close combat, a blissy. I can go make a sandwich, drive to the store, get the mustard I forgot, came back. No. We're not going on that road, pal. You take your mustard. I'll tell you what to do with it after I'm done recording. But I just think Diamond and Pearl are solid. Nothing groundbreaking. But that's where I start with the modern era of Pokemon games. So I do hope you guys enjoyed this first mini bite. Talking about the progression of Pokemon games, first gen through fourth gen. Next mini bite session, we're going to cover the remainder, which will be what five through maybe nine. By the time I record it, doesn't seem like we'll have much on on Scarlet and Violet uh, in the next week or so. But who knows? Pokemon likes dropping facts, dropping knowledge, dropping 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 Pokebombs. Pokebombs. That's not even funny when I say that. But irregardless, I got it right that time. We'll go through the next set of Pokemon games, what I feel is the complete and full modern era, and we'll go over what makes each one of them special. Hope you guys appreciated this mini bite, and once again, Will and Docs here for the Inigo Plateau Show. We'll return to full episodes, brand new format, a little bit of a new look, and a whole same Docs, which I don't change. I My hair might grow a little bit more, I don't know, but uh, if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the video, you don't care what my hair looks like, so good for you. I'll see you along with Ghost and Lotus back in early September for full episodes of the Indigo Plateau Show live on Twitch and just like this, available on all podcast platforms that you can think of, including Facebook. I'll talk to you guys later.